0: My next guest is a fighter and a survivor. Her captivating voice has seen her top the UK Soul Chart and named Billboard's Smooth Jazz Most Added Best International Artist. Candice Woodson began singing from the age of five, and along with her older sisters, formed a gospel group called the Parks Sisters. She went on to study at the Commercial Music Program at Tennessee State University in Nashville. She says, I've stopped and started the musical part of my life so many times, but this time I will not stop no matter how things play out. To me, my music is authentic and reflects everything I've gone through. A setback in 2014 did not prevent her singing 28 days after surgery at the wedding of John Cougar Mellencamp's daughter due to her stick to itness attitude. I'm eager to learn more of where this determination comes from. Candice, welcome. Talk to me about the early days of the Park Sisters Gospel Group.
1: That's my foundation. Growing up with two sisters, we called ourselves the Park Sisters. And coming from a gospel background by having a father who was a minister and a God-fearing mother, we... Basically, all we could do was gospel. <laughs> we couldn't We couldn't really do other music. We would sneak into it, but we really couldn't do the other genres of music. And we would come together because all we had was each other. And we would sing. And there was something about stage and people. I just always was extra, I guess. And we were like the Jacksons, the Jackson Five, where I would have been considered Michael. And from from there, you know, it just took off, you know, schools would recognize it, church would recognize it. I can remember as early as five years old, my parents saying, sing something, the new church that my father was minister at. I can remember the members coming over and them saying, at five, sing something. So I guess even back then, you know, there was something that was more unique than just what you consider regular singing. I I think it it must have been a little bit more. What on earth was going through this five-year-old's mind
0: singing gospel?
1: You know what? The Aretha Franklin's um, Amazing Grace album, the the Walter Hawkins, the, um, just, uh, even the Gaithers, just people of, uh, that TBN, all of those musical gospel places in media that showed us what should be, I guess, a format of what we should use as a guide. And then by being a PK, there's a Christian college called Southwestern Christian College that I actually attended before I attended Tennessee State University. And it was known for its acapella music because my foundation is acapella because of being Church of Christ. So we didn't have instrumental music in our worship. So already i was behind the ball singing with music because i grew up singing without music but i know that that's helped me in the long run because i don't have a dependency on the instrument i know that it's my instrument that i have to use to make sure it delivers behind closed doors when it was just my sisters and i we did we listened to that r&b soul that uh 70s early 80s that that sound of oh man it's just uh, a heat wave of just uh, all those old it's just hard to describe the people back then the confunctions the uh nelly colds uh, ossey brothers you know all of that because we had cousins and when we would go to our family reunions they would be playing that music and he'd be like oh, it sounds so good. So when we would practice our gospel, we would emulate what we thought we heard in that music along with what we heard in gospel, the uh, Brothers Johnson, uh, the Carpenters, uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates. And so you can see it's just been a wealth of music that I've just been exposed to that has created this Candace Whitson
0: sound. So tell us about your siblings. How many of you are there?
1: Just two siblings, um, me and myself, and we were all named queens. So my oldest sister's name is Victoria, because Queen Victoria. My middle sister, her name is Antoinette, because she's Queen Antoinette. And then mine is Candace, because the Ethiopian unit in the Bible, he, he monitored over Queen Candace's treasures. So we were all named after Queens.
0: Your first choice is Al Green's I'm Still in Love, and you've referenced this with regard to your father.
1: What makes this stand out for you? That song puts me in a happy and a sad place, because he was not a very nice man, even though he was a preacher, so I've had to deal with that. I've had to accept that life, Uh, as a PK kid was not glamorous because of what I lived with inside of the home. But when I would hear Al Green, it would make me feel good, but it would also make me sad because I knew that it was being introduced to me by someone who maybe didn't portray this love that Al Green was singing about.
0: Who would himself choose to listen to Al Green, or did he have his own other musical choices uh, with exception to gospel?
1: He had his, uh, believe it or not, like Hank, Hank Williams, the country. He was actually listening to that, and my sister, sisters and I, we would cringe because we like, say, oh my goodness, we don't want to hear Hank Williams. But even B.B. Um, King, the blues, things like that, Any anybody I think that because of the era that my parents came from, their struggle was different than our struggle. So their songs resonated in a different way. It really expressed hard times and pain, but it also expressed a unity that they knew that they had amongst their community. And they embraced that. I think when they would hear singers like that, like the Al Greens and Um, you know, other other groups, uh, other male singers like back in that time. Paducah became my home by default. We lived in Louisiana. That's where I basically grew up. And then when my parents divorced, we moved on to Paducah, Kentucky, because that's where she's originally from. And that's where her family resides. So growing up in Paducah, it was a great experience in a different way. Louisiana was southern uh, gumbo, dirty rice, jambalaya, that good old food, crabs and craw, you know crawfish and all of that. But you go to Kentucky, you get more of a northern feel of uh, bluegrass and country living. And coming together with the family in Kentucky brought a more unified extended family that I didn't have while we lived in Louisiana because we were so far away but living in Kentucky by at, at the time it was very it wasn't as diverse as Louisiana Louisiana had a lot of Creoles had a lot of blacks a lot of French uh, Lu, uh, Kentucky had it was either black or white basically you know and the Blacks were really former descendants of slave owners because you could tell by their skin color. So that Kentucky was not as diverse in Black music as maybe a Louisiana would have been with their Black radio stations and such and so forth. So moving to Kentucky, that's where we I really should have stopped in music, because of the m- music that we had to purchase, because we couldn't hear it on the radio, so we would really purchase anything that was done R and B, anything that was so that was soul music. We bought it, and that's why I believe my my catalog is so big of songs because we had to purchase the CD in order to hear the song because it was one night a week that it was soul music or it was on the weekend that the college campuses would play the soul music and that you know, we'd wait for that. So that's how Kentucky became a part, I believe, of my diversity, that I have such a unified audience and it's it's not by chance because my life has truly been that way. How did your parents' divorce affect you in particular? Well, my parents divorce, I think it still affects me. You know, I don't think that's something that I've ever gotten over we moved to Kentucky where a lot of my family still had their full family unit. They had their mother, father, kids, you know, and so we kind of moved there with a, I don't know, a shadow maybe to where we are now a single parent home. And, you know, we are now no longer the PK's kids. So we're not the first family of the church anymore. And, it had a major effect on me on relationships of knowing really, how do you maintain relationships? And I didn't get that because, you know, of course, of the, you know, situation with, with their marriage, my mom tried to, I think by bringing, uh, bringing us to Kentucky and being with that family, she tried to show what it was like growing up for her. And maybe for us to maybe see a different side. But by the time we moved to Kentucky, I was 13. A lot of things, it's amazing how it's already instilled in you then. You would think not, even though 13 is still young as a teenager, but it's very difficult to endure something like that because our situation wasn't only a divorce, there was domestic violence. When you have a domestic violence background, and you have divorce. All of that combined for a young child is difficult, but I I have to say that there's just something different in me that I knew not to let it dictate my life. I still looked for love. I still dreamed of having the best marriage. I still dreamed of you know, embracing a dream and goals and careers. So it affected me in a monetary way of relationships, living it, but not internally. Internally, I was able to still fight. There's a fighter inside that was like, look, you know what? There's really life that's better than this. There's really opportunities out there that you can really find. So somehow, I think I can com- combine the tragedy. And allowed in the trauma and allowed it to develop the go get it and the stick to itness. How did
0: that impact your relationship with your mother and also with your siblings, if at all?
1: Well, my, I'm glad you asked that question. The impact that it had for me and my mother, my mother was like my best friend. And even though I was the youngest, I just always gravitated to her. I wanted to be like her. I wanted to, I watched her endure so much. I mean, that our living situation was very, 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 you know, dramatized in a, in a very bad way. And I just watched her strength though. I watched her try to endure. And when we finally got away, she fought for us. You know, she she went out to work and she, you know, put us all through school. We all attended that junior college. And she, she still fought to teach us that don't allow what you saw in him to affect your personal relationship with God because God is still first. He's still priority. He's still the one that's in control, and he's still the one that's going to carry you through no matter what. And she tells the testimony the reason why, She's still here today, and we're still here. It's because of God, because God helped us get through. So my mom was a soldier in that way. She still fought to make sure her daughters had a a mindset of being Christ-like, being Christians, doing the right things. So
0: on to track two now, and you've chosen The Spinners, Could It Be I'm Falling in Love? Tell
1: us the reason behind this because I would see my mother, when she would hear those spinners, she would bounce and she would like, there was a little chubby one that was in the group, the spinners, I can't remember, I don't know his name or whatever, but she would talk about how she would like him, the way he would move. And so uh, that's why when I hear the spinners, I do get, a, I'm in a happy place because it really, I really remember the smile that it put on my mom's face, that she really did like the spinners. Even though I had a, it was extraordinary talent, my family didn't have that type of faith, that you could do something that you love. I came from a background that you go to college, you get a degree, you go work a job, you save your money, and then you retire. And I tried to follow that path. But it was evident that I should be doing something with my music because in high school, I was Showtime Performer of the Year. They even created an award based off of me. I accomplished things in freshman year that people hadn't done in their senior year just by singing. They couldn't, the choir director could not believe I had the talent that I had. He would tell people, have you heard her? She can sing any, she can sing anything. But my family didn't see it as something to treasure. They just took it for granted and was like, oh yeah, she can sing. Well, everybody can sing. Everybody can sing. You know, so what so what is what is that? And so I just I'm so thankful that um I've had this opportunity because it was it didn't come from growing up. It didn't come from people helping me to believe that I could step out into this cruel business, the music industry. But the seed was planted from the gospel singing days. The seed was planted to do it, but mainly do it just in church, mainly just do it in that environment, maybe do it just in family reunions, maybe do it just in school where you are, uh, in your plays and you are a part of your uh, dance groups and you are in the choir and you're all state and you're all those things. So yes, do that because to have a vision that you can be mainstream and number one in the world, that vision is too big. So stay safe, stay safe and think about what is the best life you can have without going too far out there and getting hurt. Here it is, I'm I'm going to the Christian college, but I become the lead vocalist of the band that we actually played other types of music. Uh, From there, then I went to Tennessee State and got into the commercial music program and I was the first to graduate with that degree. So the musical path was still always there without me knowing that it was there. And then after I graduated from Tennessee State, I just said, okay, I know I can do this. I just gotta figure out how to do it. And it was difficult to combine the two, being a wife and mom, and then still knowing that I had work undone. I knew that I was incomplete. Because doing what everybody else thought I should do just did not feel right. It just did not feel right. And no matter what, when people would ask me, they would say, you know, what do you do? And I would say, I'm an entertainer, even though I was a full-time mom at the time. I would say, I'm an entertainer because it wouldn't leave me. I'm like, I know that that's what I should be doing. I may not be doing it now, but, you know, I'm an entertainer. And so I just, you know, seize the moment by being the mom and singing at their schools, singing at my children's school and and, and singing in their programs and, and doing things like that to at least be able to utilize the gift in some type of way.
0: Where does faith sit into your life and career right now, if at all?
1: Faith is all that I have, Diane. I'm glad you asked that. That's all I have. If I didn't have a foundation of faith, you and I would not be talking right now. Because my life has been one that most could not live. They could not. Because I've endured everything that you can think of in this life that's considered when you go to counseling, that's considered the red flag of that this is a traumatic time for you, this is a difficult thing. I dealt with all of them, just about all of them. So my faith in God is my foundation. My faith in my Lord Jesus Christ dying for me. I'm glad that even in spite of a PK dad that didn't do right, and I love my mother, she did the best she could, but she had a love for Christ, so I did gather that. My sisters are Christians, and they still are committed to to worship in church. I developed my own personal relationship. I created my own path in my Christianity. So I learned about how to go to God on my own and tell him how I'm hurting, tell him what I'm experiencing, and knowing that he would answer it, that he was the final judge.
0: Track three, Atlantic Star, Touch a Four-Leaf Clover. Where are we now in your life and career?
1: We're, We're that girl that has always loved to sing, and now she's at Southwestern Christian College, and she tries out for the TNT band, and she sings touch a four-leaf clover and i'm telling you it was so much like the track the general the, the one of the engineers was recording our auditions and he played it back and i was like oh i love that touch a four-leaf clover i love that atlantic star track and he was like give us a rendition go on all oh, right Here I am on a cloud, out loud, as I
2: dream through the sun, shooting
3: Cupid's love and never, you just might try.
1: happy place I love Sharon Brown you better touch a barley clover maybe you'll get over try luck might come your way so
0: you're at college you are excelling were you a happy student did you enjoy your studies
1: no Diane, you asking the question that my mother is going to probably say. You better tell the truth.
0: <laughs> I'm not trying to catch you out.
1: <laughs> you are. You're calling me out. You're calling me out. <laughs> Who told you? Who did you talk to first before me? <laughs> you called somebody. You called somebody. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. That was not my thing. but. It was amazing how, it was not my thing, but it came easy. What I received in grades, compared to somebody studying all the time, I could do little study and still have success in in getting the grades that that I needed to pass. (laughs) I hate you already. (laughs) 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 When did you become a
0: mother? And when did you have kids?
1: Well, I after college, I had you know uh, had I had my children and uh, married and had my two children after college. I just um, I thought maybe because of growing up church where you're you're taught to be a wife and a mother and that's what you do and you know your husband is the king and you serve him and you know so. I had that mindset thinking that that would be the path to go, but um, as it would be, the marriage did not make it. It went on to dissolve basically. And being a mom though was the most important thing because it gave me the stability. It gave me gave me purpose. It gave me purpose to keep going on. But the one thing that I learned Growing up, when I saw a bad marriage, I was not going to stay in it. I was not going to just endure it just for the kids' sake. And when I saw that this is not going to be, this is not going to (laughs) work, it's like, what I need to do is just find a way to create a path for them that they can feel good about themselves and realize this is not your fault. These were two adults, but it was not your fault. And that's what I try to embark upon them. Now, let me tell you, my boys are, I have one um, 25 and I have one that's 15. And they, they are both beautiful boys. You tell them their spirits are, they're very popular with their friends or they're very popular when people get to know them because they're very room warm. But they're tennis players, they're both very, astute tennis players like the Otis. He actually went to Eastern Illinois University and graduated full ride division one and, and two degrees. I'm so proud of that business marketing and communication, but now he teaches tennis in New York at the country club with the main people. Yes. And he lives on his own in New York and teaches tennis and so, so proud of that. And and then my youngest, of course, he's still home because we're pre- we're preparing the path. He will be the best in the world one day. he he has it. He was a prodigy. He has a he's had a racket in his hand since he was four years old because what he saw his brother, he saw his dad. So it's like because my ex-husband, he was a <clears throat> excuse me, he was a tennis player also. That was the common denominator that we did have going for us, that sport and helping the kids play that sport to help them in life.
0: How did you feel about the breakdown of your own marriage, though, having
1: witnessed what happened between your parents? I felt like this is something I'm not good at. (laughs) I mean, that's what I really felt. I felt that hmm, it's a disconnect somewhere with me and knowing how to make a unit of a man and a woman, knowing how to, oh, I don't know, connect the dots of being able to live with another person. I think that it made me doubt my value. I think it made me doubt my self-worth in ways. So knowing that it did have that effect on me, I am not ashamed to say that I actually have had counseling and I've actually gone through some very great Very great counselors that they were able to help me understand the why behind things not necessarily working out for me in a relationship. And now I'm glad that I'm not turned off about love. I'm I'm happy to be in love, but I'm not desperate. I'm not to the point where I have to have somebody. I want the right somebody. Did you question your faith at that time? Yes, yes, I did question my faith, Diane. I did, I did. Because the God that I was told about, that if I just do the right thing, it's going to work. The God that said that he made man and woman and you get together and you have a family. And so that God is not allowing my relationship to work. So what's happening here? What am I missing? And what I realized is that I wasn't missing anything. That he has shown me that those were my choices. You know, I made that choice to marry that man. But what he did is he covered me. He covered me in my choice to where somehow he would let me get back up, I would fall down and get back up again. And that's just his way of showing me that, hey, no matter what you do in this life, your path, it's already been created for you. It's already been pre-planned. It's predestined. We just have to find a way to get on his schedule, to get on his page, to where we don't have to keep making choices that end end, end up hurting us and he allows us to hurt for a little while. But then afterwards, he brings it together and works for good.
0: Luther Van Dross, what have you chosen?
1: Oh, man, every time I would hear some Luther. Okay, so now I'm free. I'm free, I'm, free. I'm out of college, I'm a, I'm an adult. I can listen to this music and I can just do my thing and listening to some Luther Van Dross, oh, it just took you to that place. It just took you to that, and the harmonies. See, I came from sisters, we sing harmonies. And Even though I know I didn't mention, like, the girl groups, like the Jones Girls, the uh, Sister Sledge, uh, the Emotions, uh, High Energy. I mean, I'm telling you, we listen to harmonies that we could intertwine. And if you hear us sing, we sound like one. It's amazing because we're sisters and we do have that sound. And when you hear Luther Vandross, listen to his background, Tawata Agui, you know, um, Whitney Houston's mom, Sissy Houston, the... um, uh, uh, Fisher, um, Lisa Fisher, the Ray Goodman and uh, Brown guy. Their sound is 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 choir sound, but it's not a choir. It's 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 so, It's oh man. It's and so that's why there were so many songs I could have selected about Luther Vandross, but I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, alright do 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 do
2: do
3: yeah do 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 all right roll back the rug
4: everybody move all the tables and chairs in. we're gonna have a circle That's why your mama told you that you couldn't go out, stay in the house, Dad oh. gonna out tonight, he's gonna take by her will, cause he sure wants to go out and eat. every. Cause it shows
0: of your life so far? Do you have one?
1: I used to do live performances on the island, Hilton Head Island. I had Candace Whitson and the Domino Theory Band. And Tuesday night was my night. Tuesday night when they had one location then they had two locations. So Thursday night was my other night. But it would be standing room only. And it was like a little small place and everybody would fight to get in there. They would, they try to help and get there early. They'd make their reservations early because they didn't want to miss it. And I would take my boys and when I would perform, they would dance. They would also even entertain the crowd because they're great dancers. My boys, when I would see them dancing and being a part of what I was doing, that's my highlight. My highlight of my children supporting their mom you know, and encouraging their mom to do this lifelong dream because you have to look at it. Now it's later in life. You know, it's after growing up with domestic violence, moving to Kentucky, single parent, going to college, and then, you know, you know, a, a marriage that doesn't work and, you know, all of that. And now I'm at this point in my life that they see their mom trying something that she has always wanted to do, and they're right there with me.
0: Phyllis Hyman.
1: So, you know, as a singer, people like to compare. And so I started getting these comparisons, and they would say, Oh, you sound like Donna Summers. They would say, I sounded like uh, Nellie Cole, some Shaka Khan, some, um, oh, who else would they say? Some Carrie Lucas, maybe, some on the line of that. But the one that they said that I felt was the biggest honor was Phyllis Hyman. Because her distinctive intonations was just incredible to me. And if anybody could hear that in my voice, they were right. Because I know all of her material from the top to the bottom. I know when she holds that note. I know when she lets it go. That's why if you come to the show, I have some surprises. I will be doing some and so, <laughs> So that's why there's Phyllis Hyman because now I'm coming into my own and now I'm being compared to her. And yes, and I receive it. I receive the comparison. Some people feel like Phyllis Hyman is too sad. <laughs> Really, they they go. Oh, but she's so sad. So I don't hear that. I hear life in her music. I hear living through struggle, living through pain, and and expressing that. I don't see it as sad. But see, you wouldn't understand that if you didn't live it. So since I lived it, I know what that means. I know what it means to man to wish that somebody loved you like that, loved you unconditionally, and saw all of the good in you. And you know just made you feel that's like that special girl. Uh, or I know what it's like to be by yourself, you know, living all alone, man, you know, or it's our first night together. You know, it's just, just her songs about the dating process. And, but she had a hard way to go because the industry told her the same thing that they still tell me, we don't know what to do with you. We don't know where to put You, you, different. And we don't know who really wants to hear that sound. We don't really know who's looking for that. So it makes you feel that you are maybe not as talented as the ones that they are out there promoting. And, And Phyllis had that insecurity. She had that doubt about her true gift and her true talent, which it was a bar above the rest. But there was no way that she would know that because she was hearing more of we don't know what to do with you. We don't know what songs to find for you. Or we don't know what genre to put you in. We don't know. And I I can associate with that. I can associate with her creating her own style with those hits and the, the vibe because I am, you know, coined as the queen of sophisticated soul. And I'm very proud of that in the indie market. I'm very proud because when I came into this market i didn't see enough effort made from artists to say i am giving my best so i'm gonna dress the part i'm gonna fake it till i make it i'm gonna let everybody see that i believe in what i'm doing it was just i didn't see it and so i brought everything no was i saying that i was better than the rest not by far all i was saying was that whatever i'm gonna do It's going to be excellent. Whatever I'm going to do, it's going to be giving my best. And that's how Phyllis was.
0: on a subject i hope you don't mind me um raising with you but you do own this um and it's public knowledge talk to me about that time in your life how on earth did you get through it
1: when i was diagnosed i was very blessed to have a friend that went with me to every appointment and her mindset was we'll get through this so she would go to me to the doctor's appointments and she would say, what school did you graduate from? And, and what, what, how much? Did, and so she helped share that burden. And from there, the doctor, we kind of got everybody involved. And so this is kind of sad to say, but it was almost one of the most enjoyable times of my life because the doctors and I ended up bonding and just having just a good time. I think I was, therapeutic for them as much as they were for me because they said they didn't see a lot of people come in with my mindset because my mindset was cancer is on me, not in me. So take it off. From there, I just said, okay, now I'm a member of a club that I didn't want to be a member of, but guess what I'm going to do with that club? I'm going to show the empowerment of overcoming and helping others to Look at me, domestic violence, divorce, now cancer. But look at me, by God's grace and his mercy, I'm still standing.
0: (laughs) Okay, your final choice now is Bruno Mars.
1: Bruno Mars made a big hit with my boys. There used to be a talent contest at the tennis academy where they both would attend. And they would win every Friday. And they would dance to 24 Karat. So every time we hear it on the radio, we're like, that's our song. That's our song. Bruno Mars is so talented. As a matter of fact, my my current release, well, all it takes is my current release, but Modest Touch, that's why it's called the Modest Touch Tour. It did incredibly well. It even charted number one in the in the United States, which is still a, a very difficult task to to do as an independent artist to get the respect in your own home country, and so when I listened to him do that, Charlie Wilson's "My Forever Valentine," I said, "I need something like that." I said because it's old school, but it's new school. It didn't it didn't put Charlie Wilson singing something that you say, "Oh, he shouldn't be singing that." It put him in that place that, yes, you know, that's a comfortable age. He's modern, but he's still making you feel that old school. And that's what Midas Touch did. Da-da-da-da. And so it's like, when you hear Midas Touch, you will hear, Will you be mine? Won't you be mine? will you be mine? My forever Valentine?
3: Put your...
2: what y'all trying to do 24 karat magic in the air head to toe so clear look out Mm. pop pop it showtime 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 Showtime. guess who's back again oh they don't know gone time oh they don't know gone time i bet they know as soon as The red, the blues. I'm a dangerous man with some money in my pocket. Keep up. Woo. So many pretty girls around me and they're waking up the rocket. Keep, Keep up. up. Why you mad? Fix your face. Ain't my fault they all be jumping. Keep up. Yeah. Players only, Come on. Put your fingers, raise up. shoot up. Girls, what
3: y'all trying to do?
0: are going back to when your parents divorced and you had to move to kentucky paducah in kentucky what the question i always like to ask my artists is you know if you could go back to a certain point in your life that you felt was the lowest point what is the message
1: you would like to give
0: your younger self do you have one
1: i would tell her you're beautiful you're beautiful and not outward beauty inward beauty you are a beautiful person. And guess what, Candace? You're talented. You're talented. You have what it takes to do anything that you want to do. So Candace, believe in that and live out your dreams and don't stop. Don't let anybody discourage you from doing what your God-given gift is. And you've been given a gift to entertain people. You've been given a gift to sing and show people that you love it. So your younger self, tell that girl, don't stop.